talent alone, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't guarantee uh, black players to get a chance to play sport. You know this, eh? You know this. You might love a sport, but then you're extremely talented. No, it doesn't happen. Now, that seems to be the feeling amongst a lot of the black uh, sports personalities. Now, cricket structures, we've been dealing with this, are seen to have emotionally broken down many talented black players uh, that some of them have left our shores to play in foreign countries. And tonight, we're going to be looking at the career of Mposalua, um, whose career failed to take off before it even began due to a system which literally deprived them fair opportunities. Now, Umpo actually played with the likes of Proteus captain Faf Duplessis. He was there with the ball, Heino Korn, Aaron Pangi. So as much as the saying might have reflect the true sense of this situation, a rose growing in concrete. Hmm? Eventually had to give up on playing for his country. Ended up playing international cricket for Uganda. Mpo Silua, former Ugandan cricket player, joins me on the line. Good evening and welcome to Marawa Sports Worldwide. Uh, good evening, Barov. How are you doing? Hey, I'm glad we finally got to hook up and chat, open up the airwaves, discuss what happened with you, because when I first heard about the story, I was taken aback. But I was also encouraged by your resolve, because we've got to look at the balance, Mpo, between what you had to endure, but the fact that you were not willing to give up no matter what has also got to be commended. But it doesn't mean that we must stop talking about how racism, and I'm going to be upfront with this because this is what it is. Racism deprived you an opportunity of being able to represent your country. And I am glad you are here with us to unpack uh, some of what happened behind the scenes. How would you describe your journey, Mpo, if somebody had to put it as bluntly as that? Um, first of all, bro, Rob, I'd like to, to thank you for hosting me on your show. And um, if I had to put it bluntly, I'd just say, you know, it was a long journey. Eh? It was a long journey, lots of you know, sleepless nights and, you know, thinking about what's the next move. I mean, I've played for four provinces, you know. And if that's not determination, I don't know what is. You know, I mean, grew up in a system that I believed was going to take me far in terms of looking up to the the, the greats like, you know, Gift, the late Gift Baby and many others, you know, as black cricketers. I mean, Yolinda Zondi, who was my coach when I used to play for SA Under-17 two years in a row. And yeah, if I could tell you the journey, how it started, I started at the age of six, grew up in Ashishville. Mm. Um, my cousin played cricket and I looked up to him as well. I mean, he was in the structures of Northern as well. And um, one day out of the blue, I was six, went to them to training, carried his bag. And I just saw what they were doing and I picked up a ball, started bowling and then I fell and then he said, you know what? listen, you're wasting our time, just go back home, went home crying. And I got home, my grandma said, what's wrong? And I said, look, um, I went there, I tried to play cricket, and then my cousin said, um, go home. And, I said, and she said to me, listen, why don't you just start playing cricket? I mean, you're at an okay age, and I mean, you can start up mini cricket or whatever, and I did. I signed up, and I never looked back. I did well um, in my 
you know, early days of cricket as well as always playing an age group um, older. And, you know, the level of experience was quite high back then. And I developed very quickly. And I was fortunate enough to get a bursary, went to St. Albans College um, in, in Pretoria. And, yeah, I was in the system. I was in the system. And, um, yeah, that's when, you know, you start experiencing all these things, man. And, and yeah, racism was one of them, to be quite honest. What was your first and, experience, and Paul, of head-on racism when you thought, my goodness, what on earth has just happened? Um, I remember, like, I was first team. I started playing first team um, late than at seven, and I was a youngster. And, I mean, I was a keeper. You know, keepers are very vocal. And um, I was very vocal, agile, and, you know, I was passionate about my keeping and my batting. And I remember the coach saying, listen, um, you know, you need, to, you need to tone it down a bit. And, you know, that's when we developed this, you know, toxic relationship, me and the first team coach. And the one time, you know, we had done badly and yeah, the, the coach had to go at me proper. And he said I was a prima donna, I was arrogant and all those things. And I was like, you know what, um, well, this can only make me stronger. Because he just fended it off at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, when the team did well, it was the white guys that were doing well, you know, was happy. When the team did bad, the black guys were, you know, always had a, I mean, they'd have a go at us all the time. Until, you know, we decided the one time in our matric year, we said, you know what, we need to address these issues. We did. And we spoke to the headmaster. I mean, I remember on numerous occasions, I, I'd tell my parents that this is happening and they'd be called in to school and stuff. And obviously, you've been told that you've got a bad attitude, you know, arrogant, but you're just voicing your, your, your feelings. And, yeah, they spoke to the coach. And trust me, bro, the coach didn't speak to us for like a good two months. <laughs> didn't speak to you? No, didn't speak to us. That is crazy. And you were like, what's wrong with this guy? You know what I mean? He's a coach. I mean, we're supposed to connect with this guy. But we ended up understanding that, you know what, he's treating us different, but you can't treat kids like you're treating an adult. And we come from different backgrounds. That's, you know what I mean? Yes, we are in a private school, but don't, don't make us feel like you're doing us a favor by giving us all these bursaries and also making, it, making us feel like we're assets. But at the same time, sorry, Paul, the, the one thing that just before we take the news that I, I want to paint the picture of, and, and you raise it very importantly, is that as, a, as an Atridgeville boy who loved cricket, you received a scholarship to St. Albans College. Um, and then from there, things really took off because of how talented you were. I mean, franchise cricket became your domain, you know, whether it was the Dolphins or Northwest or Titans or Southwestern districts, you were there, you were playing at the highest level. Then things took a bit of a turn. That turn we will discuss after the news because it's a fascinating story. Be a part of it. Uh, it is Marawa Sports Worldwide. You can certainly send us your voice notes. Um, it's 60 Hi, Robs. Uh, this is Theo speaking from Port Elizabeth. Uh, I think the issue of racism we've been talking about since... 
uh, Minister Onde Palfo was a sport minister. They all come and tried to force the racism on the cricket and the rugby, on the sport in general. But what we are seeing now in 2020, we are seeing the racism is still raising its ugly, its ugly head. So my question is, when are we going to see an end to this? Because things have been said, uh, legislation has been passed, quotas have been put in place, transformation we've been talking about, left, right and centre, the politicians have been talking about. But isn't it time now, Rob, we need to draw the line? Even if it means that the sponsors are, are, are saying the government is interfering in sport. I think the government must take a lead in transformation. That's all what I'm thinking. Thanks, Rob. Bye. Uh, bra Rob. Uh, it's, it's, it's very un unfortunate and very sad what happened to that gentleman you have in studio. However, I, I, I feel that as long as we keep calling it the system and that Churchville boy has to go to a private school for him to be able to get into the system, for him to be able to be re a recognized player, both in both cricket and rugby for that matter, both the sports, one has to be in a boys high one has to be in, in a private school for them to be able to to be recognized and for them to be in the system where they can be able to play we'll never win this thing uh good evening robert marawa uh thank you so much for bringing this uh, conversations about cricket uh, and the racism since the movement of black lives matter Hearing the story of Mpode, it's very sad. Can you please ask him, having played with Faf to Plessis and who was the captain of South Africa for both the OTI and Test, how was Faf to Plessis? Was he somebody who's open or was he somebody who also practiced racism? It's important to know somebody who captained South Africa. How did he behave? But otherwise, fascinating story and good luck to him. I've seen some of his few games in Pretoria. He was a good player. Hans in Pretoria. Rob, it's very painful um, to be a black person. Um, it's sad. It's very, very sad. Um, listening to the story of this uh, young black um, guy, it's yeah, it's shocking. Uh, by the way, it's what we are experiencing here in Cape Town. It's it's bad. It's bad. Whether you are in whatever kind of a business or whatever, it's 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 really 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 sad, brother. I'm not even going to mention my name, but oh, it's tough, bro. It's a really tough. So yeah, uh, big up to the young man. Uh, we wish him well. Thanks, bro. Good evening, Robert, and good evening to your guest. Can you please ask your guest, is the Goda system in South Africa working where there must be five players of colour in a starting eleven, and in those players of colour, there must be three black Africans? Secondly, Robert, please invite Udato Krisnenzanu Tisharamkulu Walapipisho as the president of Cricket South Africa, who is outgoing in September. Please, Robert, Krisnenzani, you can't hide away. Please come and account for the chaos and that you have done with Cricket South Africa. Robert, please. 
invite Chris Nenzani. He steps down in September because I heard he also wants to become the ICC chairman, the International Cricket Council chairman. He is also interested in that position. Invite Chris Nenzani to come and account. Thank you, Robert. Great, very impassioned plea there to try and get uh, Chris Nzani. We'll certainly listen to your plea indeed. Uh, thank you for that and the question that came through. If you're just uh, joining us in Porcelua, is a former South African under-17 as well as University Sports South Africa USA uh, cricketer who had to leave South Africa because of the racism situation that was blocking off any opportunity for him to progress. Played with some of the top players uh, who then went on to represent South Africa with the Proteas, and obviously all sorts of excuses were given as to why he can never, ever progress. As we headed off to the news, and thanks for your patience, and Paul, the issue around why then, when you are surrounded playing, having such great stats, I had a look at all your stats, and the hallmarks of a great cricketer were written all over. Do you think that was a deliberate ploy then to keep you away from ascending? Because surely it couldn't just have been Aaron Pangiso who would have been able to emerge as a black player to then go and represent South Africa in the Proteus squad. Um, bro, like, you know, as everyone would say, you know, the honest, the honest never make it. You know, I'm, I'm a very blunt guy. I speak my mind. And look, I'm, I grew up with Pangiso as well. I'm very proud of him. And can you believe it? You, as a union, you offer so many black kids bursaries and stuff. You take them to these expensive schools and you spend so much on them. And after that, you don't look after them. I mean, Aaron is the only, only, that's what they used to call it, bursary boy. The only bursary boy that has represented Titan through the system, you know what I mean? So in me, in you saying that um, I was kind of pushed away, there's a lot of factors to it as well. Mm. I mean, I spoke, you know, if I wasn't happy with something, I spoke. I'll give you a scenario. When I played for the um, Northwest Dragons in 2010, um, we were playing against SWD in, in Rustenburg. And um, the one evening after supper, the... The guys, the white guys are like, oh, I'm poor. You never go out to the white guys. Why is that? I said, okay, fine. Let me give you guys the benefit of the doubt. Um, I'll go out with you guys. But Rob, that's when I noticed that <laughs> team selections are made over drinks at a club. So we get there, and then the guys are like, um, so poor. give us your, 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 your top 11. Who do you think should be in the team? Okay, I name my 11. And then another guy names the 11. And then the coach is like, um, yeah, we, 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 you've got a good team there. But I mean, look, you're a good coacher. You'll be in my team. So I'm like, what about the other guys? You know, let's wait. What about the other guys? No, those guys, man, you know, the coaching system is, um, the coaching system is holding us back. We would be the best team in the country if it wasn't for the coaching system. Okay, fine. If it wasn't for the coaching system. Come back to that statement you just made. What do you mean by a good coacher? And he's like, well, look, you, are, you do as you told, and um, you question, yes, you question, but you can read the game and all that. I said, no, man, this is nonsense. 
I can't be associated with this. And that's when I left Northwest. And also after finding out that um, I was actually earning 2,000 Barob, right? 2,000 rand a month. 2,000 rand a month, right? And throughout the season, there was this finance lady I had been chatting to. And I went to her and I said, listen, something doesn't make sense here because I spoke to someone from CSA and they say that my payslips are earned 15 grand. What happened to the rest of the 13 grand? He said, do you really want to know what's happening to us? And I said, yeah, I'd be happy if you told me what happened to us. He said, look, your money is divided amongst four other white people, four other white players. That's why you're getting two grand. And I left. Your money, your 15 grand is being divided amongst three other white people. Yes. Yes, bro. And when the semi-pro contracts were coming out in 2011, I was told, yeah, you're going to get a contract next season, blah, blah, blah. I went to England to play there off-season. The coach never answered my call, never re- returned my email. And that's when I got, my, I got an agent in 2012, 2011-2012 season. That's where um, the dream ended <laughs> when I went to SWD. So I'm busy drafting something. It's called A Journey of a Thousand and Two Ks. So from Pretoria to Oetwaran, it's 1,200 kilometers. I went there, bro, Rob, drove there, and I said to myself, I'm going to give it my all, only to go there and play four games. One three-day game, two T2020s, and one 50-over game after having so many meetings with the CEO, the coach, and the chairman. I mean, everyone was saying, oh, no, speak to, the, speak to the CEO. The CEO says to me, yeah, but the coach doesn't think that um, you, you can fill. I mean, you're a keeper. We signed you as a keeper. And my question was, how is it possible that you sign three keepers in one province? And, I mean... Two of them are playing. They're averaging 19. I'm averaging 72 at club level. I mean, obviously, I'm going to be frustrated. I mean, Barab, I used to drive to Bloom because my wife was studying in Bloom. I used to drive to Bloom every third week just to go catch a breather. You know, I'd go there and I'd cry. And my wife would say, just hang in there. Just hang in there. I remember the one time I packed everything, Barab. Packed everything. And I said, I don't want this anymore. I'm done. Get a call you from the you CEO. wanted to quit the game? I wanted to quit. I get a call from the CEO and he said, where are you? I said, I'm in Bloom. I'm done. He said, you can't leave. It's against your contract. You will be sued. And I said, what do you want me to do now? Because, I mean, if I come there, I sit and I play club cricket. Do you understand that I've driven 1,200 k to give it my all. And you guys are playing guys that are averaging 19. Barab, I went back. I played a consolidation game where they wanted to shut me up. I played and I never played a game. So went to my club manager and I said to him, I said, Um, Joe, listen, I think this is it. I'm done. And he said, Mpo, there's nothing more I can say to you that I haven't said before. These guys have messed you around. They've signed you because you're a black person and they were looking for a good quota. And I said, look, it makes sense. And I saw that a long time ago. But what makes me sad is 
they are not on a shipping. So these guys are just going back and forth. So I said, okay, fine. I've got an agent that I'm paying every month. Where is this guy? Send him an email. I said, Marco, listen, I can't take this anymore. I mean, you're my agent. I pay you every month. Come sort this issue out. We had an altercation, you know, back and forth. And he said, but I'm not a miracle worker. You put in the performance. I'm like, what do you want me, what more do you want me to do? I mean, I go to training. I'm the first one to get to training. I catch a 1,000. I'm a keeper. I catch a 1,500 balls every session. I'm the last one to leave. When these guys are on tour, I'm in the net hitting balls. I hit about 3,000 balls every net session. Holy machine, you name it. I catch about 1,500 balls. What more do you want? And I mean, the CEO's office is right next to the net. I mean, this guy sees me every time when there's no training. I'm there. Well, Rob, it, it, got, it got mentally exhausting. I have lost count of how many therapists I had to go see just to sort myself out, like mentally. I, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I just said, you know, at, at the end of that 2012 season, I'm done. I'm going to look for a job. Got into my car, drove from Oatswaran to Pretoria. As I got into the driving parking lot at home, I started sobbing. I cried, and I said to myself, this is it. I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Get into the house. My dad says, what's wrong? And I said, you know what? I'm done. I've had enough, and I can't take this anymore. He said, well... Can't you try Northern again? And I said, there is no way I'm going to go through six months of this anymore. I mean, I retired at the age of 20, 26 or something. I last played, yeah, my last game in South Africa was at SWD in 2012. And that was it. I was, I was, I was done. And how and old were you then, Mpo? I think I was about 20, 24, 25, Wow. That is crazy. That is crazy. Because when, when, when you're being shoved around like that, Paul, when you are being told that you're a good quota, as in, well done, you know, like a little puppy, well done, my little boy, you're this good little black guy, you're fulfilling our obligations, we're looking good as far as the ministry and the government is concerned. Um, so this little black dot here. Yeah, so exactly that. But yeah. it, it, it does not bring into account your figures, your stats, your contribution, your brilliance. Why then would they have given you a scholarship to St. Albans if you were useless? Why would St. Albans have given you the awards that you did uh, for hockey and for cricket if you were that useless? Why would you have played for the SA Under-17 and also for USA if you were that terrible a player? So for me, that again says... When you've got this pigmentation, there is a problem in being seen to be great. Can you imagine mm. a World Cup rugby that we saw without the Mapimpis and uh, everybody else that was there, Lukanyo Am and everyone? It, it would have been a different scenario. I, imagine Rabada, the, you know, the best in the world. We're not even talking about the best in South Africa, the best in the world, number one. But mm. then you, you, you're coming to look at um, all sorts of issues like the ones that you're presenting now. It, it would have taken a lot for you to say, I need to go to a different country. I need to, I mean, for you to spend a year in Uganda just so okay. that you can then qualify for citizenship. Yeah. Take me through that journey. Um, 
I was serving at work. I, do, I was working for Action Sports, and I was doing marketing and sales. And um, I'm going through LinkedIn, and I just saw Johan Rudolph, who is, who is Jacques Rudolph's dad, because he coached me when I was 12 and stuff, and we had a good relationship. We, we were good. And he's just been appointed for Uganda. And I sent him a message, and I said, Um, Joe, look, I'm so happy for you. Well done, because he used to coach for Namibia. And within five minutes, he replied. He said, Paul, what are you doing with your life now? What are you doing? And I said, look, I'm sitting in the office. I'm working. He said, okay, are you still playing? I said, yeah, I still play for TUT, um, but not that serious because I work on weekends. And he said, listen, do you want to come to Uganda? And I said, no, you're kidding. And he said, no, I'm serious. And yeah, he said, okay, give me about a week or so, you'll get a phone call. Because when I was at Northwest, uh, the Ugandan team used to come train with us when they were coached by Shukri. And we built a good relationship. And the captain sent me a message immediately after when Joe sent me a message. And he said, listen, Mpo, we really need you to come. What are your plans? What are you? We've got two or three World Cup qualifiers. And I said, guys, what do you, what do you guys want me to do now? He said, listen, get your passport ready, and then we'll sort everything out. And I went to my boss, and I said, listen, I've got an email now from Uganda Cricket. What do you think? My boss said to me, Mpo, you would be stupid if you don't take this opportunity. And I said, thank you. That's all I needed to hear. I went home, and I said, mom, dad, to the, to the wife as well, and I said, what do you guys think? They said, are you ready to go through whatever you went through? And I said, look, this is the risk. This is the one risk I'm willing to take now, and this is the amount of fuel that I've got in the tank now, and I'm willing to use it. Because ever since I've grown, I was growing up, I kept on telling my best friend that I'm going to play international cricket. Mm-hmm. For who? I don't care but I know that I'm going to play international cricket. And, sorry, I'm being a bit emotional. Um, yeah, but, um, so I packed my bag, left, lived in Uganda, loved it. And, yeah, the rest was history. I mean, with that experience, I wouldn't have gotten it in South Africa. And I know a lot of cricketers that... We'll never get an opportunity like that in South Africa. Never. Whether white, black, Indian, colored, they'll never get that opportunity because there's people running the show. You know, there are guys that own the team, and it's all about them. And it's all about what you're bringing onto the table. What business do you have? What can we collaborate with? How? And who's doing so the, the, what? This, sound, this sounds like a cabal. Paul, sorry to break in there. When you say that there are guys who are running this business, what is it that you bring onto the table? It sounds like it sounds like madness. It sounds like a cabal that is running, almost like a mafia-style running of cricket. Barok, I know, I know a few players. I know a few players that have, their fathers have got big businesses and they're playing at a high standard of cricket today. Today, my dad once told me. He said I was, I was crying the one time, and he said to me. I'm not going to go into the board meeting and say that you deserve to play. I'll be killing your career. You know, if I go with it, I'll be killing your career. I am a Saloa. I'm not a Van der Merve. I'm not a uh, Van Vague or whatever. I don't have money. 
You know what I mean? I'll be killing your career. And that from that point, it made sense that stats, stats are good on paper. They look good. But what are you bringing? You know, what are you bringing? And yes, there are those fortunate enough that are talented, that deserve to be there. And some of them, they don't honestly, they are, honestly, Rob, they are good, brilliant black cricketers out there that their dreams were shattered before they even, you know, took off. And unfortunately, I was one of them. You know, I was one of them. But I knew, I believed that one day I'll play international cricket. I didn't care for who. And I mean, I remember I came back from um, one of the World Cup qualifiers. And, you know, I needed to stay fit and all that stuff. And I got a call from the Northern coach then. And he said, listen, do you want to set up a meeting so that we can sit down? And I said, okay, fine. Let's set up the meeting. Went there. And he said, look, I want you to come. I don't have a cheaper batsman, and I think you can do the job. And I said, Chief, what are you putting on the table? He said, okay, look, I'm going to have to discuss with the amateur manager, and then we can come back. I said, listen, I've just played in an international tournament, and you want to come here and give me petrol money. That's nonsense, man. That is nonsense. I went to Free State as well. I've been fighting to go to Free State, and somehow it didn't work. And I spoke to the coach there. Rudy Spain, and I said to him, and I said, listen, I'm willing to come there, and I can even come for a trial. I'll drive myself there. I'll pay for my accommodation. I just want to come get a trial because I can see you guys are struggling for a keeper battle. The guy said, okay, fine. Let me speak to the CEO. Spoke to the CEO. Nothing came out of it. A few months later, the guy sends me an email after I started working. He sends me an email, and he says, listen, here's what I can offer you. I can offer you... Um, Basically, he basically said, I can offer you nothing. So I said, listen, you want me to come there, accommodate myself? Where the hell am I going to get an income from? Because, I mean, I'm planning to get married, and I'm giving this a shot so that I can play for the night. So the guy said, look, I can't pay for your accommodation. I won't be able to pay for your, um, what is it, your petrol. So basically, I'll be coming there to play first class to be getting paid Mill allowance when you're on tour, which is 800. Come on, and what is that? Mm. And I said, look, I'd rather work. Thanks a lot. I'd rather work. I'm done with South African cricket. I'm finished. So the one time, the Northern coach comes back as well. He's like, look, I can't offer you a contract. The contracts are out already. I said, you just signed someone from high school. You've given them a Titans contract. I've just fucking... Sorry, my bad. Sorry. I've just no, finished playing. I've Apologies just finished playing for you... I've just yeah. finished playing for Uganda, and I know it's just Uganda. So, like, everyone just said, oh, it's not in England, it's not in Australia. But I sacrificed. I left my country. And then you come and tell me that you can't give me a contract. You'll give me petrol money and a coaching. What is that? But you get a, like Eddie said, you get a guy coming from the under-19 World Cup who's going to get 400, 500,000. I mean, how fair is that? I mean... You know, let's let's meet on Tuesday for part two, Paul. Um, I think the story doesn't end there. I know it doesn't end there, um, and it will be wrong for us to make it end here. There's there's a lot of up and coming talented cricketers, very young, that are listening to the show right now, who 
are waiting for your guidance, who are hoping that this story is not just a story that evaporates. And that is why we've made it our obligation to bring these stories to the forefront every single week. We will squeeze them. It doesn't matter how many minutes we get, but we will put them in. I will prioritize you on Tuesday next week. Mpo. Thank you, bro. And there will Thank be you, others bro. as well. So just know that you're not alone. Your story is heartbreaking. And I do apologize. I know we had a bit of a slip up in terms of language. And if anyone was offended by that, we, we apologize on behalf of Mpo. It's an emotional, it's an emotional story that he's telling. Um, I know that there were a couple of questions, people asking about Faf, was he racist in approach when you played alongside him? So all of those, let, let's deal with them on Tuesday. No, Be strong, no. just know that South Africa and what I'm seeing on social media are fully supportive of that. I just hope the authorities, the ministry most especially, is listening because nothing is as heartbreaking as what we are hearing right now. I don't even want to talk about Mark Fish and, and, and whatever he has said. It, it really doesn't matter right now. We'll deal with them when we do. But thank you, Paul. Stay strong and thank you for your time. Thanks a lot, bro, Rob. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the listeners, for the listeners as well. Thank you to everyone. And, yeah. bro, can I please say something? Just one thing. Very quickly, thank, Mpo. Yeah. Thank you, Efim Balati, for giving me the strength to come out and speak. Thank Beautiful. you. Beautiful. And we spoke to him last week. That's what I'm saying. Every week, we're going to be tracing and bringing these stories to the forefront. And Paul, thank you so much. You can follow him at Mpoza underscore Siloa on Twitter. Sure. Thank you, bro, Rob. Sure. Anytime, man. Anytime, anytime. All right. It's time because it is a Thursday, and, and we've also got the president that's going to be addressing us pretty soon in the next 28 minutes. Um. Like I said, Paul's story will carry on on Tuesday. Uh, we'll find a way of preserving a lot of the voice notes that you had sent.